Hey, everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. What have you been through? I'm talking about the things and situations that if somebody wanted to know the real you, not the person, not the face we put on for public consumption, but if somebody really wanted to know you at your core, it's those stories that you couldn't leave out. I mean, what I'm talking about today are the issues and the problems and the situations that you don't have to read about. You don't have to read about it online. You don't have to read about it in a medical journal. You don't have to read about it in a business magazine. It's not something that somebody has to tell you about. You lived through it. What have you been through? I mean, I'm guessing on a weekend like this at New Spring, like I said a moment ago, we're going to have over 7,000 people here. I have this fantasy in my head as I bring these messages. I think about what it would be like to be sitting around a campfire with all 7,000 of you and hearing from you as you talk about those things that you have been through that have shaped your life. Some of you here today could say, I've been through cancer. Nobody has to tell you about cancer. No one has to tell you about what it's like to hear that diagnosis for the first time. Because you've been through it. There are those of you who would say, I know what it's like to go through a bad relationship. There was somebody in my life that I thought would be there forever. And I found out he didn't love me at all. I hope, I hope that we at New Spring never come short of being grateful for this, but some of you could say, I have been through war, and thank you. Thank you. Or I've been through change. I know what it's like to wake up one morning and the world is completely different than it was 24 hours ago. I know what it's like to go through loss. I've been through the illness and death of a family member. I've been through the breakup of a home. I've been through financial loss. I've been through studying for years at the university to have a career that dried up and blew away and no longer exists anymore. And many of us could honestly say, we know what it's like to go through emotional illness. We could go on and on making our list. Like I say, I fantasize about hearing from all 7,000 of you as you tell me what you've been through. But the fact of the matter is, whether you're 16 years old or 96 years old, we've all been through some things. I was watching the Cowboy game Sunday night. Have pity on me. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I, w I wish I knew how to be free from that. Do any of you know of a 12-step program to be free? <laughs> Being a Dallas Cowboy fan. I mean, 
I did grow up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and so I've seen, at least on television, most of their games since 1966. And it doesn't matter if there's a star on their hat, I watch them. And somebody said, how the Cowboys do? We all know they lost, that's how they did. But sure enough, Sunday night, I'm sitting in my basement watching the Dallas Cowboys. And in the middle of the game, the guys who were calling the game begin to talk about Dak Prescott's new tattoo. He's got a leg sleeve. He's got a whole leg tattoo. And he must have been serious about it because they said he was dealing with anesthesia for 11 hours. That's when you really do want to get a tattoo. You know what stood out to me? Because they showed a picture of Dak's leg, now tattooed. What, what stood out to me was these were, not, these were not pictures of exciting games that Dak won. This, these were not scores of playoff games won. They haven't happened yet, for one thing. But, I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't about his, life, you know, his heroics at Mississippi State. It, it was not about those kinds of things. It was stuff like the trailer park that he grew up in. And there were beautiful tributes to his mother who died with cancer. And a tribute to his brother who died by his own hand. And it, it stood out to me that what Dak wanted the world to see for the rest of his life, when anyone saw that leg, he was not wanting us to see what a great athlete he was. He wanted us to know what he had been through. Well, you and I, we may not wear the things that we've been through as a whole leg tattoo, but we wear them on our souls. I've been wanting to bring this series to you for 15 years. It's a personal series for me, but I gotta tell you, even as I say that, I think about the fact that there are so many of you out there who could bring this message better than I because you've been through darker valleys than I've been through. Most of the things that I've been through, I mean, I, I don't know if that's the fair thing to say, but probably at least 50% of the difficult things I've been through, I've been through as a leader. I've had the privilege of pastoring this church for over 38 years. I've been pastoring since I was... Well, my goodness, I've been pastoring for 40, 46 years. You know, there have just been situations that I found myself in. in and, 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 and the reason why I wanted to come and talk to you about the lessons that I've learned going through is I really do believe that the older I get, the more God shows me that life, your life story is not going to be written by what's on your paper resume. It's not going to be written by how much money you make or what people think about you, your story largely is gonna be written about what you went through and what you learned. You know, I've met people that go through things and don't learn anything. And that's why I've been driven to bring this series. You see, I found myself so many times in painful situations I would have done almost anything to avoid, but for some reason I couldn't. Maybe there was no choice. Sometimes I'd find myself in a situation before I realized I was in a situation. You know what? This is a good time for us to just stop, pull over the side of the road. You know, if you're, if you're still in high school or you're in college and you're taking comp or you're taking English, you know how it is. You have to do vocabulary. You have to get, but it, you know, you want, you want to look up the meaning of words before you start using them. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that we don't typically define words like through? They're sort of baked into our nomenclature, aren't they? 
We just sort of assume the meaning. We use the word all the time, but do we ever stop and wonder how, how do you define the word through? Well, here's the Oxford de- Dictionary definition. If you look at the preposition, the first meaning of the word, and I'm gonna slow down because these are serious and spiritual and almost existential. I want you to hear this definition. Through means moving in one side and out of the other side of an opening channel or location. Let me say that one more time. Moving in one side and out of the other side. Hey, when I hear that definition, I think of the word tunnel. Now the second definition is continuing in time toward a completion of a process or a period. I think of the word journey there. But the, 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 the strongest and loudest metaphor in my heart and mind, when I think about what I've experienced in my life, when I think about through, I get this mental image of a tunnel. I hate tunnels. I deal with claustrophobia. And I hate them. I mean, tunnels are dark places, and especially tunnels that just feel like they last for a long time, and the only light you can see is the electric light at the top, and you hear that weird noise that cars make when they go through a tunnel. And, and there are two tunnels that I've traveled through many times. There's a tunnel outside of Mobile, Alabama. There's another tunnel outside of Denver. And I got to tell you something. If I got a road trip to go through either one of those tunnels, I start dreading them before I leave Butler County. Tunnels are dark places. And there's no place to turn around. And you only have one option in a tunnel. You go through. Go through. You know, the truth is we'd like to, well, we'd like to go over a tunnel, wouldn't we? <laughs> and in other words, when I, when I say over, what I mean is whatever that situation is, we would like to just sort of skip over it. You know, I mean, if, if, you, if you got diagnosed with cancer at 915, we'd, if, we'd like to have it over by 920. You know, we just want to go over. I mean, y'all are all too young, especially in this service. Y'all are all too young to know what I'm about to talk about. When I was a little kid, there was a sitcom on television called Bewitched. I'm almost too young for it. But in this, this is like a suburban housewife who had magical powers and she would twitch her nose and just stuff would magically happen. And I think there's a lot of us that when we deal with one of these circumstances, that's what we would like to do. We'd like to just go over it. Oh, we'd like to go around it. I was flying home from Dallas. This has been years ago, back when American used to fly those prop planes. I think there were ATRs or something. I didn't like to fly on prop planes. And, and it was about 1030 at night when we took off. And the pilot said, when we got up in the air, he said, flight to Wichita is hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes. Well, hour and 15, 20 minutes passed by and we weren't descending. I didn't see any lights out my window. And we were still up in the air and the pilot hadn't said anything. And then about 30 minutes later, we, I looked out, and we were over a city, a big city, and it wasn't Dallas, and it wasn't Oklahoma City, and it wasn't Wichita, and I thought, this pilot is lost. <laughs> and we were actually up in the air for three hours that night. And after a while, he came on, and he said, you know, we took off from DFW. He said there was a little storm in between Wichita and Dallas, and he said, I thought I'd just go around it, but he just kept building up and building up and building up, and he said, we just kept going further and further and further around it. Well, I wanted him to. <laughs> I mean, you know what? If there's a big storm, it's sure better if you can go around it. And, and when we start thinking about this in practical terms about the kinds of storms of life that we're talking about, hey, we're Americans. 
if we can figure out how to spend some money and go around the problem, if we can figure out how to spend more time or talk to an expert or look it up online or get an app, if somebody will just show us how to go around it, we'll do it. I got to tell you, the one that looking back on the storm or the tunnels I've been in, the one I thought about the most is I would have liked to have gone back. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself in a situation you're like, I wish I'd never come this way. I wish I'd chosen a different career. I wish I'd chosen a different college. I wish I married somebody else. I wish we never had kids. I mean, there's just that thing about, I wish I could go back. But that's how life is. That's how the tunnels of life work. You can't go over, you can't go around it, you can't go back, and there's only one way to go, and that's through it. Now, it's time for a big disclaimer, because I don't want anybody to sit up there and say, I think Mark is a masochist. He likes trouble. No, I don't. And if somebody can show me how to go over, around, or, or back, I'll do that. But, and, and, and the thing that you should understand is that God encourages us to pray that we will not have trouble. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, there was a guy by the name of Jabez. Some people pronounce his name Jabez. Who knows? Nobody knows how anybody pronounced any of those names in Bible days. That's just done by Americans, American preachers. Well, anyway, let's we'll call him Jabez. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. So there's nothing wrong and everything right with saying, God, please keep me out of trouble. What do, we, what do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Deliver us from the evil one. There's nothing wrong and everything right with asking God to keep you out of trouble. Even Jesus did that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And there are wonderful stories in the Bible. And hey, I've got some that I tell. There are wonderful stories of miraculous healing and deliverance in the Bible. King Hezekiah was told that he was going to die. He had a fatal illness. And he turned his face to the wall and prayed, and God healed him instantly. But in the essence of truth and real disclosure, truth and disclosure today, God doesn't always do that, does he? We get sick. Homes break up. Marriages end. Layoffs. To Christians, to Christ followers. When I was driving here today, I thought there are two preachers here, two pastors here who could do so much better job preaching this message. They are friends of mine and they're visiting here today. We didn't get together on this. It just kind of happened today. Roy and April Mack are here. Roy pastors a phenomenal church in Warren, Ohio. I've had the privilege of being there many times. We've been friends for a long time. A few years back, Roy told me that he had been found to have cancer. Now, I want to tell you something. Roy had taken a church in Warren, Ohio. He started in a, they, a part of it was a converted mall. And I mean, it was amazing what they had built up. Now, I want you to hear something. Right at the same time, they were told that their lease would not be renewed and they would have to find a place after they'd invested so much in that mall, they would have to find a new place. It was right when he got cancer. And here's the thing about Roy and April. If you want to talk about everything good in ministry, that's who they are. 
they're the real deal. And Roy went through a very difficult cancer treatment and we were all so excited when he was cancer free and celebrating, but a little while later, the cancer came back and he almost died and fought another horrific battle. And I'm thankful that God has delivered him from that. He's got a book coming out called Walking Through the Shadows. It's coming out in November. I read an advanced copy. If I were God and I were going to look at a pastor and his wife and say, you know, I'm going to make sure they get a free ride. I'd pick Roy and April. Setting to April's right is one of the closest friends I have in the world. His name is Brent Snook. Pastors a large, phenomenal church in Cincinnati. Hasn't been that many years that we were all sitting together having dinner and I wound up sitting next to his wife, Joy. We were talking in between the services and I think, whenever I think of, the, whenever I think of Joy, the word that always comes to my mind is sparkle. And we were laughing and cutting up about how we both have an emotional disorder. But it wasn't long after that that Joy was found to have cancer. And she fought, I believe, the bravest battle I ever saw anybody fight against cancer. And she slipped out to be with God two years ago next month. If I were God and I had a preacher and his wife that I was going to make sure that nothing ever happened to Hey, how to pick Brent and Joyce Snook? Like I said, we, we didn't plan to be together today. It just kind of all came together. And I feel like, in, I feel like wow, Brent and, and Roy could have talked about this way better than I can, but I'm just telling you today that just because you're a Christ follower doesn't mean that you're not going to go through some very difficult things. The Bible says anyone signing up for the kingdom of God is to go through plenty of hard times. Now I know that there's several of you, quite a few of you who attend New Spring. You're not spiritually resolved yet. Some of you are non-theists, some of you are agnostic. And I'm so grateful that you give us a seat at your table. But you may be sitting out there and listening to it and you're like, Mark, that is why I don't want to be a Christian because you, Christ you just saw it in the Bible. You Christians go through tough times. Hey, everybody goes through tough times. You either go through them with God or you go through them by yourself. In fact, the matter is, if you don't have God, you may not go through. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Well, this is an introduction message. Like I said a few moments ago, this message is probably going to be kind of dry because we're just talking about basic stuff. We're talking about basic principles. We'll start talking about those tunnels next week. But I want you to remember what we're about to learn. So I'm going to do something too cute by half. I'm going to employ the use of a word form called a homophone. And now if you're an English teacher, you've been in English recently, you know what a homophone is. It's, these are two words that sound alike, but they have different meanings. So I want to talk to you briefly about what you have, if you have God in your life, when you go through difficult times. And so here's the, here are the homophones. Presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, -E, and presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. -E so let's start, first of all, with the presence. 
Because if you're God's daughter, if you're God's son, and you've got to deal with one of these crises in your life, you have God's presence with you. Now listen to Isaiah 43. I started to just read verse two to you, but there's part of verse one that I need to give you because I think it really gives us context. In Isaiah 43, one, God says, I have called you by name. You are mine. Aren't you glad God knows your name? Hey, they may not know your name in Washington, D.C. If they don't, you're probably better off. <laughs> they, they, they may not know your name in Topeka. They may not know your name in Hollywood. They may not know your name on Madison Avenue. They may not know your name on Fleet Street. That's okay, because somewhere up in heaven, your name is prominent. Somewhere up in heaven, there is the name Stephen Mark Hoover. I am, I am not worthy. I don't, I, if, if, if I got what I deserved, I would go to hell. But somewhere up in heaven is the name Stephen Mark Hoover. In fact, God says, doesn't mean it's a leg sleeve tattoo, but God says he's got your name engraved on the palm of his hand. He must really be into you. See, before we even start talking about the presence of God in verse two, I just want you to hear verse one where God says, I've called you by name. And you are mine. Now, verse 2, and I'm probably going to read this verse every week. When, not if, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Real quickly here, there are two things that I pull out of that text so, so importantly. Number one, when you have to go into one of life's tunnels, you will not be by yourself because God says, I am with you. Man, what would that mean in practical terms? Anybody here ever have to have major surgery? Well, you know what that's like. You know, you're waiting in the room for them to come get you and take you to surgery. And hospitals are usually pretty generous about letting friends and family come in and kind of fill the room. And, you know, the friends and family are there and they're encouraging and maybe joking if they're Christians praying, you know, but it, you just are surrounded by family and friend. But then there's that moment when the cart comes to the doorway and the nurses and attendants say to everybody, you're going to have to leave. And they tell the family and friends where the waiting room and the vending machines are. But typically, they'll let one person go back with you because now you'll be leaving your hospital room and going to what's called surgery holding. And if you've ever been in, ever had surgery, you know there are bays separated by curtains. And you're back there and you're waiting for them to come get you. And, and typically, if you're married, they'll let your husband go back with you, your wife go back with you, and, they'll let, and they can sit with you. And, and, and while you're waiting, it's the comfort of having generally the person who loves you the most in the world sitting there with you. And they'll come in and they'll ask you, did you eat anything in the last 12 hours? And they'll put your IV in and they'll talk to you for a little while. But then there's that moment when that person who loves you the most is told you're going to have to step out now and they'll begin to push your cart. And if you've ever had surgery, you know what it's like to roll and look up at the ceiling and watch it move as you realize that cart is headed for the operating room. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When you get to that place in life and they're wheeling you into the operating room to do surgery, I want you to hear the voice of God saying, I will be with you. Your family may have to go to the waiting room. Your friends may not be able to go with you. 
But God is saying to you, you are my daughter. I called you by name. You are mine, and I'm going to be in charge. Thank God for the doctor. Thank God for the surgeon. But God is, I am in charge of the surgery suite today because you're my child, and you're there, and I am with you. And Jesus put it this way. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the first thing that we get from that verse. The second thing that we get is the word that our series is named, through. You notice the Bible says when you go through deep waters, when you go through rivers of difficulty, when you walk through the fire. Hey, deep rivers, fire, water, deep waters, that's what usually finishes people off. Hey, hey. It's not usually the word, through's not the word we use. You're going, you're going to be in fire, the preposition that we use is into. You walk into the fire. But notice how the Bible tells us that when we deal with the tunnels of life, because God is there, we go through. You know what, I, now that I think about it, I probably had the inflection in the wrong place when I read that verse to you. Could, could I try it again, please? I think what God is saying to us is when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. That promise is not offered to everybody. That is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. God is like, you're going to go through because you belong to me. And when you get into the fire, you're going to come out on the other side. When you go into the deep waters, you're going to come out on the other side. You're not going to be stuck somewhere in the fire, somewhere in the deep waters. You're going to go through because you belong to me, God says. You'll go into the tunnel and you'll be there a while. We'll talk about that next week. <clears throat> So yeah, I mean, even Christ followers, we're not exempt from this. You, you'll go into and you, you will be there for a while, but the tunnel will not write your story. The story of your life will not be the tunnel. The story of your life will be that you came out on the other side. And, and listen to me. Listen to me, church. It's not because you're stronger than anybody else or smarter than anyone else or better than anybody else. The reason why you go through is because of who is with you. Wow, the presence of God. And I want to keep it real here, though. There are three groups of people hearing this message today. There are people like me, by the grace of God, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the day, but... For right now, I'm not really in any dark tunnel. I mean, I've got a whole bunch of them in my past I could talk about, but when I hear this message, I'm kind of reflecting back. And we contend to be a pretty young church, and some of you are like, Mark, I've never really been in uh, this tunnel before. I'm not sure this applies to me. File this away. <laughs> but I want to talk to the third group. You're in that tunnel now. And if you could talk to me, you would say, Mark, this is probably pretty good stuff for most people. That's the kind of thing that helps. But not for me. I don't think I'm going to make it. 
I want to go back to the book of Isaiah. For this, and this time I want to show you something from verse 41. Now, ultimately, I want to get to verse 10, but notice one more time how the, before God starts telling you what he's promising you, he wants to remind you that this is based on your relationship with him. Now, let's read it. You are my servant, for I have chosen you, and I will not throw you away. So I want you to hear that first. Now, verse 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged. I will be your God. Now, God's about to use three verbs here, and I want you to understand these are not similes. This is not God saying the same thing three times. Watch these three verbs. God said, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up. What does that mean? Well, here's the thing. When you go through one of those tunnels, I mean, it's not like you and I just sit down and check out and just wait for God to, to blow the all clear. I mean, the thing of it is, when, you, when, you, when you're in a tunnel, there's a lot of stuff for us to do. And how many of you, if you were to tell me the story of tunnels that you've been through, you would say something like this to me. You would say, Mark, if, I, if somebody had told me six months before I went through that, that I could do it, I would say there's no way in the world I would have the strength to do that. But when I got in that tunnel, I suddenly discovered that I had a gear that I didn't know. I suddenly found out that I had strength that I never thought I had. And I'm not exactly sure how I had the strength to keep going, keep going to work. I don't know how I had the strength to keep taking care of my family. I don't know how I had the strength to keep doing what I did, but somehow there was strength in there. That's the first thing that God does. God comes and he deposits strength into our account. But you're going to get to a place, perhaps, where you can give everything you've got with all the strength that God has invested in you, and it's still not enough. Like the old hymn says, you reach the end of your hoarded resources, and then God says, I will help you. I will come alongside you. I will work with you. You're doing everything you can do. And then God said, I'll come over here and I'll supplement what you can't do. And you and I together will pick up that boulder. But some of us know what it's like to be in a place where we could give all the strength we've got and it wouldn't even make a dent. And even if God came along and helped us, we, we just don't have anything to add to what he's doing. And when that happens, God says the third thing that he will do is when we get to that place where we can't take another step, God said, I'll just pick you up and carry you. I will strengthen you. I will help you, I will hold you up. The presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, -E, the presence of God. Now, quickly, and I can read a clock, I've got three minutes. I wanna talk about the presence. Don't worry about this, we're just gonna to touch them today and then we'll come back and we'll talk about these in the next four weeks. The presence, the gifts, because here's the thing about God. God will never let you go through a tunnel without giving you gifts. And the first one that I want to mention is the gift of community. Hey, how many of you have been through a difficult time and in that you made friends with other people who have gone through that same valley and when you go to coffee and you're, you're at Starbucks or something and you're having coffee, you're talking on the phone, it's just different. You know what it's like when, you, when you're trying to explain your tunnel to somebody who's never been there? I mean, it's like they don't speak the language. They don't understand. You try to tell them what it's like, and, and, and you, you, they try to understand. But, but when you talk to somebody else that's been through the valley, the same valley you've been through, you speak the same language. You know what it's like. You get into conversations sometimes, and you just say, well, you know. 
Hey, one of the things that you'll discover is that when you go through the valley, you're going to come out with a community. And I think some of the closest friends that I have in my world are people that have been through the valleys with me. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, God, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings along somebody else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Community. What a gift. And then resume. Those tunnels that we would never choose tend to be the things that equip us to make impact. There's a talk I give to, typically to corporations. I remember I did it for a school district, sometime, public school district sometime back. The title of that talk is called The Marvelous Power of Your Shadow Resume. No world thinks that a resume is the right academic education. God bless, that's a good thing. Or it's knowing the right people or having the right internship. Or Let me just tell you this. What will make you a person worth following and worth working with and a person worth looking up to mostly will be the tunnels that you've been through. I tell you, as a leader, I, we have a large staff here, and my responsibility as a leader is often to hire a lot of staff. And I want to tell you something. I look for those people. I look for those people who've got some scars. I look for those people who've been through some difficult times, whose shadow resume has equipped them to do things that they would not be able to do otherwise. For all of you, I, just, I guess this is for all ages, but I want you to understand the real influencers don't come out of TikTok. The real influencers come out of tunnels. And then there are blessings. And I won't spend very much time on this, but in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, the Bible says, our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. When I was a kid growing up in church, I'd sit in Sunday school and the teacher would say, boys, if you do things for God when you get to heaven, you will be rewarded for that. Well, I believe that. But I just read a verse to you that tells us that when you go through troubles and you keep depending upon God, someday when you get to heaven, God's going to bring out rewards. And I don't know what rewards are in heaven are like. I used to, when I was a kid, they used to talk about getting crowns. I'm like, I don't want a crown. But I mean, I don't know what God has for rewards. Maybe probably houses and bass boats for all I know. But the Bible says there are blessings, there are rewards for people who will go through tunnels and keep their confidence in God. What I'm about to say next is my favorite thing. You know what? Before I say it, I know a lot of you are going to think, that's not possible. But it's true. One of the greatest gifts that you'll get from God when you go through the tunnel is God's plan. I started preaching early. I started preaching when I was 16. I think I preached my first... Revival when I was 16, preached five my senior year. And so one of the silliest things in the world, here I am, 16, 17-year-old boy, and people would line up after I got through and they want to ask me questions. I'm like, I don't know anything. Why would you? I just told you everything I knew in that sermon. <laughs> but I got to tell you the question I've been asked more than any other question through all the years. People would ask me, how can I know God's plan for my life? As if you could find it reading some book or listening to some religious guru. Now, here's the part you may have a hard time believing. Some of you know it's true because you've lived it. 
most of God's plan for your life, you will find in the tunnels. There's a verse that you're probably familiar with. We did a whole series on it last year. A lot of us have it, you know, in artwork in our houses. Some of us have it with jewelry. We love this verse. It's a great verse. Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and hope. See, the thing of it is, typically as Americans, you know, we, we read that and it's just like, well, that's a great verse. That's a great feel-good verse. And, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's true. I, God's got great plans for my life. Do you understand the people God said that to? I mean, these people were going through a horrific thing. I mean, these, these are kids, young people who have been carried away captive. Many of their parents have been killed. They were having to live in Babylon. Babylon is like the anti-Jerusalem. I mean, they're slaves, basically. And it was to these people that God said, I know the plans I have for you. He didn't say, you know the plans. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you're in the tunnel and you're like, Mark, I don't see how anything good can come out of this. I gotta tell you, most of your, most of your purpose in life, you're gonna discover in some tunnel because that's just a gift that God gives to his daughters who will trust him. This is what God gives to his sons that will keep believing in him when it feels like it's all falling apart. Well, it's time for me to stop. We'll pick this up and really crank the series up next week. But let me leave you with a verse. The Bible says, it is, this is Isaiah 38. It seems it was good for me to go through all those troubles. Throughout them all, you held tight to my lifeline. You never let me tumble over the edge into nothing, but my sins you let go of. Isn't that great? I mean, this is just a beautiful mental picture that I have as I was getting ready for this message. This person who was talking to God said, God, you just held on to me through everything. You just never let go of me. You would never, you would never release your grip. But I'm so thankful that my sins, though, you got rid of. You let, you let them go. Wow. You guys in New Spring know I say I hate religion. I hope you always know I don't mean I don't hate the people in religion. I just hate the systems. See, religion is a man-made nomenclature that tries to somehow codify a belief in a deity. And it's all man-made stuff. You know, people tell me, well, I think all religions are alike. Well, you're probably right. <laughs> I mean, they have different nuances, but if it's man-made, see, the Bible's not a religion. Bible's about a relationship. It's about a God who loves you, knows your name, knows the number of hairs on your head, and even knows us pretty well who don't have that many. <laughs> and he wanted you in heaven. Now, you are a sinner. I'm not trying to offend you, but you are a sinner, and I am. I mean, if I got what I deserved, I'd go to hell. Hey, listen, if every... If the, if the person sitting next to you knew everything about you, they'd get up and move. And if you knew everything about them, you'd get up and move. <laughs> but God loved you so much. He loved you so much that he made a way for you to go to heaven even though you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. You know what he did? 
He sent his son, the almighty son of God, the second person of the Trinity. God sent his son into the world to live the life for you that you can't live. He never did anything wrong. Instead of reaping the benefit of that perfect life, you know what he did? He turned around and took that perfect life and laid it on a cross. And the death he died on the cross paid for everything you've ever done wrong. It's not about religion. It's about the greatest trade of all time. My sins clicked and dragged under Jesus' account. His perfect life clicked and dragged and placed under mine. Flawed, broken mess of a human being I am when I get to heaven and the Bible says the judgment's gonna happen. They're gonna open the books and they're gonna read the name Stephen Mark Hoover and right underneath it, it'll say, see the record of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about here at New Spring Church. Has that ever happened in your life? Because you do have to accept it. You have to endorse it. If you're willing to believe that Jesus died for your sins, if you're willing to believe that God raised him from the dead, and if you're willing to turn from your old life and invite Jesus Christ in, your name will be written in heaven. You'll be forgiven of all your sins. That is what the word of God says, not just in one place, but over and over and over again. I don't want to end this service without giving you a chance to make this decision, whether here on campus or online or on television, anywhere in the world. If you're ready now to invite Jesus Christ to come in so that he will go with you no matter what you experience, you can do that right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. These are not magic words, but if you mean these from your heart, God will hear you on the other end. Give God a chance. Give him a chance to keep his word. Would you bow your head with me, please? I'm going to pray it slowly. I'll pray it in segments. And if you want to say it to God, you don't have to pray it out loud. You can just pray it in your heart. Here we go. Dear God, I am a sinner, but I believe you love me very much. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. I believe he arose from the grave. And since Jesus is alive, I want Jesus to be my savior and my king. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Give me the strength to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just pray with me, if you're watching online or on television, um, there's a gift box I'm about to describe. If you're watching online or on television, first of all, let me tell you what it is. There's a New Spring Bible, just like I preach from. There's a book I wrote called My New Walk with God that'll answer a lot of questions and then some coupons and some other great things. If you're watching online, just text the word PRAY to 97000. Follow the steps. But if you're on campus today, you don't have to wait. Just text PRAY to 97000. Go to any info center. You'll recognize them by the blue and white color. And just say, I pray with Mark. They won't hassle you, stalk you. They just want to give this to you. Thank you for being here. God willing, we'll crank this up again next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.